wow, this is great. This is really fantastic to be able to see the sky, to be able to see the city of Jerusalem, to be able to see people and my parents for the first time. But best of all, to be able to see the temple. The temple where God accepts our praise, our worship, our sacrifices. Oh, I can hardly believe it. It seems just too good to be true. That I'm able to see for the very first time. Oh, Shalom. Jesus said that you might be here. And if you were, and I saw you, oh, I just love that being able to see. But anyway, if I saw you, he said you might be interested in my story. Well, it is a good story, and I think I'd like to share it with you. You see, it all started when I was sitting by the temple gate. The big one, you know, where the people come in and out. And I was there as a blind man. I'm no longer blind, but but then I was. And as a blind man, I sat there as a beggar, hoping that people would take pity on my plight. A plight on my pity. Whatever it is. And I would hold out my hand and ask for people to drop some coins into my cup. You see, everyone knew that I had been blind from birth. And I was there late that day because there was such a commotion in the, in the square. As a matter of fact, as I was walking across the square, feeling my way along, I was bumped off and knocked down. There were so many folks. But anyway, there I was in my usual seat, right there, you know, next to the bakery, the good spot. And I no sooner sat down than I heard this tremendous commotion. The voices were loud. They were angry. Many of them I recognized as people who had spoken to me that way. And I heard them shout, Stone him! Stone him! And then, everything was silent for a while. I eagerly listened. Being blind, my ears were were much better than my eyes. But nothing happened. All of a sudden, I saw, no, I heard... Some people walking and talking, and they came my way, my direction, and they came up to me, and they stopped. Well, I held out my hand, hoping for a positive response from them. And then I heard one of the men say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? My heart sunk in utter disappointment. I've been struggling with that question all my life. It seems that I've always wondered, why has this taken place? You never understand unless you can share my own experience what that feels like. To have somebody question your situation. It hurts to the heart. It pierces you to the soul, to the marrow of your being. The pain never goes away. And as suddenly as he asked the question, I heard the rabbi respond. He said, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. What? I said to myself, I can't believe that. I ran again through my mind. It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, that he should be born blind, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
I'd never heard an answer like that before. All my life, people had said it's either my parents' fault or that it was my fault. This was music to my ears. And on all how I wished that my parents had been here to hear the rabbi. They had struggled with guilt all their lives, thinking that it was their sin that had caused my blindness. To have to live with that burden was almost unbearable for them. And as I later found out, the rabbi told me that there are really three reasons for suffering. One is corrective, that God might allow suffering to take place in an individual's life in order that he might be drawn back to God. The second might be constructive, that God allows suffering to take place in order that that person could be changed in their character and become more Christ-like, more God-like. And third, God allows suffering simply that His glory may be displayed. He allows it to work in a person's life so that they might receive His grace, as it were. That's what happened to me in my blindness. And that's what happened to Job in his difficulty. You see, it's that kind of suffering and explanation that really made sense to me because... I had been told all along that, that any suffering was a result of that person's sin or someone else's sin in their life. And somehow that just didn't seem to make sense to me. But anyway, I wanted to hear more of what this rabbi had to say. So I listened, and what I heard, it didn't touch me as strongly, and I'm not even sure that I understood it. He said something about working works, and, and being light. I think it went something like, we must work the works of God while it is day, and uh, night is coming when no man can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. I don't know. But anyway, after he said that, he uh, spat on the ground, and he kneaded together some clay, and then he came over towards me, and he put the clay on my eyes, and I jumped back because I didn't know what he was doing. He grabbed me and held me firmly, but comforted me and told me that it would be all right, that he wanted to help me. And then he told me to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. I was about to ask, but he put his hands to my lips and simply said, go. He was so gentle so forceful that I picked up my cane and I began to tap and feel my way along to the pool. It took me a long time to get there. And along the way, I kept asking the question, who is this rabbi? What is he doing to me? Why am I doing this? What's going to happen? My mind was racing along, filled with all kinds of thoughts, filled with excitement. And then I began to think, when I got to the pool, do I want to wash this off? Yes. No, I don't. What happens if nothing happens? What disappointment? What pain that I will experience again? And yet, my curiosity won out. So I went over to the pool, and I dipped my hand down, and I reached and brought it up to my eyes and began to wash. And as I washed my eyes, the light 
began to show through. The darkness I had known all my life began to disappear. As the light came in, there was color. There were shapes. There was a whole new world, a whole new life I had never experienced before. I could see. I could see. The pain, the anger, the frustration, the fear that I had known all my life was disappearing. I could see for the very first time. But now that I could see, it didn't take me long to get back to my spot at the temple. And as I went back there, I began to look for the rabbi. But he was nowhere to be found. So I walked home relishing the fact that I could see for the very first time. Noticing everything along the way. And when I got there, I explained to my parents, I told my neighbors and friends what had happened. And they were so astonished, they really didn't believe me. I guess that's somewhat understandable because a miracle like that doesn't happen to a man like me every day. As a matter of fact, some people refused to see that it was me. But after a time of convincing on my part, I won them over telling them, yes, I am me. I am it. I am the man who was born blind. And so they said, where is this miracle worker? We want to see him. What did he do to you? And I told him. I told him exactly what he'd done. That he had made clay and anointed my eyes and told me to go and wash in the pool. And I went and washed and received my sight. But now he was nowhere to be found. Well, they didn't know what to make of this miracle. And they thought that I should take my story to the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the community. And at first I thought that to be a good idea. But soon afterwards I realized that these Pharisees are far from being rational human beings. As a matter of fact, I really didn't care much for rabbis or Pharisees anyway. They were full of law, void of grace and compassion. You know, a blind beggar was never a Pharisee's friend. And when I got there, they only wanted to know the same thing that my neighbors and, and friends wanted to know. What exactly had happened? Well, I told them that this man, I think his name is Jesus, he had made some clay and put it on my eyes, and, and now I was able to see. Well, it happened to be on the Sabbath, and that created an uproar. Not only had Jesus violated the Sabbath in their minds by healing me, but he'd broken three other laws on the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, this whole Sabbath thing was such an uproar amongst the Pharisees that it created division between them. Some of them were saying, this man is a sinner. He can't be from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But the others were saying, how could he be a sinner and perform such signs? A very good question. One I had been asking myself. Well, after they had finished discussing amongst themselves, they turned to me and they said, what do you say? And I said, he's a prophet. Well, if looks could kill, I wouldn't be here telling you this story. The Jews refused to believe me. As a matter of fact, they began to question my character, my ancestry, and even my previously blind condition. They even went out and dragged my parents into the argument, demanding to know from them, is this your son? Was he born blind? How is it that he now sees? Well, my parents, 
how would they know? They weren't there. They were so scared. I felt so sorry for them. Standing before these Pharisees, realizing that if they gave one wrong answer, they could be gone, out. Outcasts of the Pharisee, of the synagogue community. Living in disgrace. Struggling terribly. You know, now for me, I, I didn't care whether I got kicked out or not. But for them, it was important. So I could see that they were very scared when they replied, He is of age. Ask him. Loosely translated means, I'm a big boy. I'm out on my own. And they're no longer responsible for what I say or what I do. And that's understandable because I am of age. But I began to think about this man Jesus, his uniqueness. The people at the temple were saying, stone him, stone him. And yet he came and and touched my eyes. The Pharisees couldn't decide whether he was a sinner or a man from God. And my parents, they were so fearful of acknowledging him as a special person and being cast out of the, the community. They didn't know what to do. You know, my parents, they made a choice today. And I'm not sure it's the right choice that they made. Well, at that point, the Pharisees realized they were not getting any place fast with my parents or with me. Fortunately, they let my parents go. But they asked me, or demanded of me, really, to give glory to God. Because they had predetermined that Jesus was a sinner. And I was already giving glory to God for this miracle, believe me. But I'm not sure that I shared their opinion of Jesus being a sinner. As a matter of fact, I told them, I said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, where I was blind, now I see. I realized that I had to deal in what I did know to be true. I couldn't worry about those things that I didn't know about. Has that ever happened to you? That you have to rely on what you know to be true? You can't get caught up in those things that you aren't sure about, that you don't know about? I knew that Jesus had touched me. I knew that he'd healed my eyes. I knew that was special. Well, the Pharisees, they wanted to know the whole story again. So I said, why? I've already told you. Do you want to become his disciples too? Ooh, boy. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. They looked at me and they said, you're a disciple of Jesus? We're disciples of Moses. I mean, we know where Moses is from. But we don't know where this Jesus, where he's from. They went on and on and on. Finally, I said, wait a minute. Can I say something? This is an amazing thing. He healed my blindness, and yet you don't know where he's from. We know that God doesn't hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing 
and seeks to do His will. He hears Him. And from the beginning of time we know that no person has removed the blindness from a person who has been born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And as I said these things, these thoughts went through my mind. Thoughts that my father had taught me when I was a youth. Out of Isaiah, Exodus, and the Psalms. That one of the signs of the Messiah coming would be he would give sight to the blind. And for me that was very special. I clung to that hope all my life. That the Messiah would come. That He would touch my eyes. That He would heal my blindness. That He would take away my hurt. And yet Jesus didn't fit my preconceived idea of the Messiah. True, He had healed my blindness. Nor did He fit the idea of the Messiah for the Pharisees, obviously. And just as I was pondering these thoughts about Jesus and the Messiah, they were rudely interrupted by the Pharisees who said, You were born utterly in your sins, and are you teaching us? We have decided that you are to be cast out of the synagogue community. A big deal. And what has the synagogue ever done for me anyway? You know, It didn't really concern me. But what did concern me was all that had taken place. So quickly, so rapidly. The fact that Jesus had come before me while I was blind. He had touched me and healed me. The response of my parents, of my neighbors and friends, of the Pharisees, of these people about Jesus. And here I was, a blind person dependent upon other people. And now I'm in this major league discussion with the Pharisees about the character of Jesus. It all seems so simple to me. So easy. And yet the Pharisees wanted nothing of it. They only wanted their own ideas to be blindly confirmed and established. Regardless of what I would say to them or show them, they wouldn't change their minds. And on the one hand, it made me mad. So mad to see people like that. To know that they wouldn't change their mind. And on the other hand, it just made me sad. Sad in my heart to know what these people were missing. Well, at that point, I realized that this was indeed a major conflict. One between light and darkness. A conflict between righteousness and unrighteousness. I could sense it. I could feel it all around me. I couldn't see it with my eyes. But I knew it was true. It was true in my heart. It was true in my spirit. This conflict that was taking place. Well, as I was walking along pondering all these things. My head down, wondering what is going on in my life. I mean, in some ways, life was so easy as a blind person. All I had to do was sit by the temple and hold out my hand. Other people would take care of me. 
And then suddenly, I heard his voice, the voice of the rabbi. He had found me. He came up to me, and he put his arms around me. And he said, I heard you were put out of the synagogue. And I nodded. But before I could say a word, he asked me again, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The Son of Man? The Son of Man? I thought, who is the Son of Man? I've never heard of the Son of Man. It's a new term to me. But the way Jesus said it, it sounded like this person must have a high office. He must have great authority or power. And so I began to think, maybe the Son of Man is a friend of Jesus. Maybe the Son of Man is the person who helps him do the miracles that he does. Maybe the Son of Man is someone that I should think about or get to know. Perhaps Jesus is saying, this is the one that you really need to to think about and to follow in life. You need to become his disciple. Perhaps that's what Jesus was aiming at. I'm not sure, so I said to him, Sir, who is the Son of Man that I may believe in him? Oh, Jesus, what a card. He looked at me, had a wry smile on his face, and he said, You have both seen him, and he who is speaking to you now, and I who speak to you now am he. You know, Jesus could have just given a simple answer like, Yeah, I'm the one. I'm, I'm the son of man. Like I did when I was trying to tell the people that I was the blind person. But he didn't do that. He gave me a direct answer, but at the same time, I had to think about it. I had to think about the Son of Man. I had to think about what Jesus was saying. I had never seen Jesus before. When I was blind and he healed me, I never saw him. This was the first time that I had seen him. And he said, you have both seen him. I thought, I wonder if he's trying to tell me that that I've seen him someplace else, that I've seen him in my heart, that I've seen him in my spirit. That I know that Jesus, that the Son of Man, is a special one from God like no one else. That Jesus is trying to take me beyond the mere physical realm. At that point, I was frozen in time in my thoughts and I realized, I do believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I do believe that He is the one who has come, who has healed me. Who can not only heal me physically, but He can heal me spiritually. And make me whole and take away my pain. And I thought about all he had done. And I realized that my only response was to say, Lord, I believe, and to fall down at his feet and to worship him. To worship him was one who is greater than me. To worship him was one who is greater than the Pharisees, who is greater than the people around. To worship him as one who was who was greater than than anyone who has ever come to live on the earth before, since the beginning of time. And Jesus stretched out his hand, and he helped me up. And as I came up, I saw that there were other people with him that I hadn't noticed before. Some of them were Pharisees. Some of them were his disciples. And I thought, oh no, here we go again. Strangely, I knew that Jesus 
could take care of himself in any discussion with these Pharisees. And he turned to them and he said, For judgment, I have come into the world so that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. And now, why does Jesus always have to make these heavy statements? Why does he always have to tax my mind? I remember when I was blind and he said something about while he was in the world, he was the light of the world. Well, he certainly caught those Pharisees off guard. I know, because they asked him the question. They said, we are not blind too, are we? And I had to chuckle. Here they were, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the community, the people who are supposed to know the scriptures. Their friends, their associates had already condemned Jesus as a sinner. And they were concerned about what Jesus thought of them. You know, sometimes things seem so logical, you wonder how people could miss the point. But yet the Pharisees never did major in logic. So Jesus now, the smile gone from his face, etched in seriousness. He turned to them and said, If you were, if you were blind, you had said, we are blind, and now you see. You wouldn't have any problems. But you say, we see. Your blindness remains. Your sin is still there. And with that, he turned and walked away. And I noticed that as he walked in one direction, some Pharisees turned, and they walked in the other direction. And I looked again, and there were some Pharisees who were standing there, not knowing which way to go. To go on with Jesus, to hear him, or to go back with their friends, their associates, their colleagues, the Pharisees. This was a point of decision for them. Well, I think, no, I know that Jesus hoped that I would see you today and be able to share this wonderful story with you. At least I think it's wonderful because the miracle touched me. I was that blind person from birth, and now I'm able to see and that's fantastic. But the healing of my physical blindness was only just the beginning of my being able to really see. You are not physically blind, as I was. But you may be spiritually blind, as I was. When Jesus came and made the clay, put it to my eyes, and told me to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, I didn't have a clue as to who he is. His friends called him rabbi, which means teacher. But as I thought about what he had done to me, what I thought about what he had said, what he had said about himself, I realized that I believed, that I believed in him, that he is the Messiah. He is the one who has come to save he is my Lord and my Savior. But at that point, I realized my need for salvation 
in Him. Now, believing in Jesus did cost me something. It cost me my blindness. It cost me my hate. It cost me my anger. It cost me my jealousy. It cost me all kinds of things that I could afford to lose. Now, I don't know where you are today. You may be where I was at the beginning of this story, blind and without any knowledge. You may be like my parents and the Pharisees, or my parents and friends who were so caught up in the fears of life that they won't let go. Or you may be like the Pharisees, who only want their illogical, preconceived ideas to be blindly confirmed. Or you may be, as I am now, realizing my need for God, realizing my need for someone who can show me the way life is to be lived as God wants it to be lived. I don't know where you are. But I hope that as, as we part today, you will think logically about this person, Jesus, about this Son of Man, and that you will think logically about your own need. Well, it's time that I be going off. Now that I can see, I have lots of places to go. Shalom.